0: I just spent a lot of money in my master's degree yeah. to, and I'm not even being a social worker, right? So there was a lot of like internal conflict, but I think that as, as I was building my brand, I was like really trying to create a movement because if I was realizing that, that I have these skills, yeah. even though I have a degree, I was like, I know that I can do more. I don't have to stay in the social work bubble. Nice. I started having that realization. I'm like, I'm not the only one. So when I started creating this movement, I was able to help social workers pivot as well and secure six-figure jobs and leave the traditional social work profession.
1: Mi gente, dímelo, dímelo. What's good? Welcome to another episode of the Quintu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. Plural. You already know, it's your boy Pavel bringing you another very special episode with another very special guest. Speaking of guests, the clip in the intro that you heard is with this week's guest Harleni. If you're new to this podcast, let me give you some quick background. Our mission for the show is to redefine professionalism because most of us when we go into work, turns out that we're faking it. We're hiding who we are. So every week, we have a different guest join us for a very candid conversation around the conflict that they've experienced between professionalism and authenticity. The hope is that these conversations will help you unlearn what you've been taught about professionalism and hopefully inspire you to be your most authentic self. That said, the clip in the intro that you heard is with this week's guest Harleny Vasquez. Before getting into the full conversation, let me give you a quick bio so you have more context into who she is. So Arlene is a first generation Latina, a licensed social worker turned career coach. She's the CEO and founder of Your Evolved Mind, a career consulting firm that has dedicated their efforts to supporting the next generation of social workers. This targeted career consulting to a very specific audience of social workers is aimed to transform and redefine their career narratives to help them expand what they have thought their possibilities were around this specific career path. It'll make a lot more sense once you listen to this episode and see that she started on a pretty traditional career path for social worker and then is pivoted to a career in tech. She wants to help others reimagine what their career could be like as well. Anyway, now that you have a little bit more context into who Harleni is, please be sure to also check out the show notes to get a full bio. One last thing, if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll notice that we shot this episode at a coffee shop. Want to give a big shout out to 787 Coffee, which is a brand that I love. Besides the delicious coffee, They also have a bunch of different locations throughout New York City, around 15 actually. It's a great place to do work. The staff is really nice. They know what they're talking about when it comes to coffee and it just makes for a dope place to work from as well. So if you're in town and need somewhere to work or just get some coffee, check out 787 Coffee. With all of that said, I think it's ready that we get into the episode. Alright, so let's start off the conversation how we always do, right? Okay, yeah. The word authenticity. Yeah. It's a buzzword. You yeah. probably hear it all the time.
0: I mean, I mean, like, yo, I'll, I'll deal with your podcast. So I, I know. <laughs> hey,
1: you like, I've been practicing for this. That,
0: that, no, I'm not a joker.
1: What What does it mean to you though when you hear the word?
0: I feel like it's it's more of like just being in a space where you could breathe,
1: right? Ooh. Yo, like, somebody said that. Yo, that's a good one. Somebody said that the other day, somebody. For real? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It's just because it's, like, kind of, I feel like I can breathe, like, it's, like, a feeling where I can be comfortable in my own skin, right? Okay. Like, that's what I feel, being authentic. Like, I was mentioning when I got here, like, I remember, I was like, I'm loud! And all of those things, <laughs> and, like, many of us, right, sometimes we feel like we need to, like, silence our voice and all mm. of those things, right? Again, me being a natural extrovert and constantly loud, or just because I just, my, my tone of voice, I feel like being authentic, is just being able to breathe. And being able to just, like, like the sense of wusa, like, I can just literally be myself, like, in a safe space. So yeah. that is what authenticity means to me.
1: It's so funny because as soon as you walked in, you felt the need to preface that you were loud.
0: I still do that. I still do that, like literally. Like, ten
1: times. And mm-hmm. I was like, girl, you good. Like, yeah. you're not going to be too loud. Like, it's like, whatever. Is, is, that something, is, is that something you've been called, like, early on, like, you were loud?
0: Literally. They were like, Haleni, Haleni you're being too loud. To this really? day, I still get it from family members, it's like, like, calm down. But it's, again, it's more of like a mindset thing that right. even adult me, millennial me, I still have to like, catch myself. Like like you said, like, I was literally calling myself, like, you didn't even say anything. Yeah,
1: it was like, hello, oh, I'm so loud. Oh, I was like, <laughs> damn, it's all right, You're good. <laughs>
0: so it's kind of me trying to make the safe space ahead of time, right? Mm. So I'm like, hey, by the way, I'm not loud. So it kind of, I'm, I'm beating the punch. If yeah. that's what I say, right? So it's kinda of like that feeling to be like again, still working on it. And I think it's just a matter of especially that we're meeting for the first time, even though I feel like obviously I know you because I feel we've like been, I know you too. We've yeah. been connected, you know, on social media. But it's more of like, hey, look, I'm loud because I'm more outside of social media. It's again it's still an internal thing, right? That I'm still working on.
1: Well it's not just internal because people tell you that.
0: Yes. So true. so growing, it makes it my reality.
1: Exactly. It validates the internal thoughts that you're probably already thinking about yourself. But growing up, like, all right, loud is one thing, like what were some other things, what were some expectations you think your family had for you on, like, hey, don't be that loud? Like, what else?
0: So, I'm a first generation. Dominican? I'm Dominican. So, <laughs> I'm born and raised in Dykeman, a eh? Oh, Yeah, yeah Dykeman. <laughs> and then, you know, went to the Bronx, and then I literally lived in all the five boroughs except Staten Island, literally. But obviously, say majority of my life was a Dykeman, and then for six years in the Bronx okay. before, now in Jersey, right? Yeah. But... Being a first-generation, eldest daughter, I'm literally Mm. the oldest in, like, even among the primas.
1: Oldest of how many?
0: Hmm. Well, for my mom, I have one sister.
1: Yo, I was about (laughs) to say all same mom and dad, because you know how Dominican men be doing.
0: Literally. For my dad, I have, uh, in total, I have six siblings. I'm still the second oldest. All
1: right, this is so off-topic, but do you consider all of your brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, do you call them step brothers and sisters? No. I don't consider my siblings brothers and sisters.
0: It's, it, I think it's crazy because like, again, everyone has like a different journey. Like long story short, I, again, well, first generation, I was raised by a single mother, right? Mm-hmm. So I am the first daughter to my mother and for my father. I'm still the first girl, right? I just have an older brother. And then for my mom, I have a younger sister. We're just two years apart. Then after that, obviously after my parents separated, then that's where I got all the other siblings. So I think that from young, because my dad left when I was six years old, Mm -hmm. I already had to embark that, again, first gen, kind of like, what's the saying? Like, like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. They're, they're they're under me in a way, right? Yeah. Like I'm building the path. Yeah. And I have built the path. Being the first associate, bachelor's, master's, home ownership. I mean, the list goes on, literally. So I've had to have had that title and that role since I was little. So I think ever since I was little, my mom definitely had a lot of expectations on me. Like, grande, you should know better, right? Like, yeah. calm down. Like, tone, tone it down. Everywhere I go, even in school, they'll be like, ya right? And then, I remember school, think about like elementary, middle school.
1: Parent-teacher conferences Literally, and stuff. Literally,
0: you know? like what?
1: Wait, who's, the teacher said that or your mom said that?
0: My mom said that to me because basically the teachers were saying that I was like acting out or like speaking up and all yeah. those things, right? So it was more along the lines of my mom was like, o oh, tu eres o oh, rebelde, right? O oh, rebelde, mm-hmm. right?
1: Mm-hmm. And of
0: course, back then, as a young, Child, you don't know those things that impact you later on in life.
1: Right, right, right. Wh- why do you why why were they giving you that feedback about you in class? So like, what were you doing in class? That was were you just talkative? talkative. Raise your hand. Okay. Talk,
0: I wouldn't say raise my hand. I would say like I will be a mix between talking a lot but also silencing myself. What? Yeah, it, it's weird. It's like a mix because I again I think it really depends the space and yeah. the circle, right? Yeah. Like if I found my click. Woo! It went on, but if I wasn't around certain people that I felt comfortable with, and mind you, again, I grew up in Dagenham, so you know everyone is yeah. you know low income, diverse, and all of those things. But even thinking back then, it was just more along the lines of I still had to like had that role of like you should know better.
1: So what, was it around like I don't I don't get it though. So in class, you were talkative, right? Because you're an extrovert, you said that you were social. I get that, but then. When were you, like, when did you not feel comfortable and you had to silence yourself that you felt like, like you went to the bank or something? I don't know, <laughs> like, you were running errands with your mom. Like, I'm, I don't, oh, what I'm was like,
0: it? I'm thinking just, well, I mean, we would go to people's houses as well, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, like, they'll be like, oh, I will always be, like, yelling. Even, like, again, being someone young, like, a little girl. Like, when people have memories of me, they were like, oh, see, Jalini, like, habla alta, like, I always scream." To so
1: this day, they say that? Like, that's a reputation. That's
0: literally my reputation. Right? So it's kind of like that role kind of stuck with me as an adult. Obviously, I, I love myself. now. Sure, sure. But back then, that all that I did was for my self-esteem, like, okay, like, I'm not enough or I need to silence my voice. And once I got into higher education, I think it came out even more like, whoop, I just kind of silenced my voice. I didn't, I didn't like, I just stuck my head under the ground. And I think I found more my voice when I started my business. <laughs> After... I you know graduated with my master's degree in social work, which was only five years ago mm-hmm. and I started my business year above mine in 2019. So I think being, being able to build a platform for me,
1: mm-hmm.
0: I, again, not even getting the master's being yeah. the first, like that didn't yeah. even help me get, gain my voice or allow me to be authentic, yeah, right Because yeah, yeah. even in spaces and nonprofit jobs, I still also silenced myself.
1: Tell me about when you started higher ed, though. Like, why did you feel the need to silence yourself?
0: I think even thinking about, like, as you can only imagine, certain institu- institutions. And I went to school, in, you know, in New York, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt that the space, again, I think the theme of space is spaces and environments, Depending environment, on where you right? are, yeah. I think that, you know, going to, I first started in um, going to a community college, okay. right? I went to BCC, so black okay. community. Hey. And then I was able to transfer to a four-year, and then from there I went to graduate school. So obviously not in community college. I felt, you know, okay there. I was still trying. I'm trying to find myself, but still silencing my voice. But I think that. But even
1: even in community college. Yeah. Where maybe this is just an assumption you were surrounded by people that maybe look like you.
0: Yes. And I think that also had to do with my internal. At that time, I think it was still internal struggle.
1: So it was just, like, you telling yourself, am I good enough to be in this room yes, sort of thing? because
0: even when people would speak and raise their hand for an answer, I wouldn't raise my hand, but I would think about it.
1: Oh, my God, yeah. i will be
0: like, wait a minute. Maybe it's like, the damn, I had, to,
1: I had the answer, too. Yes,
0: and all the time, I've been thinking again, even in as I transitioned into a four-year and even master's degree, being around people that sounded smarter than me, that mm. also ate myself to see my mm-hmm. life. Because I'm like... Yeah, I could I don't know what you call it, street smart, book bookmark book smart, whatever mm. you call it. I'm like, I don't know, in the middle or something. At that time. That's what mm. I thought to so myself. I'm like, I'm in the middle.
1: Was but anyone telling you this?
0: No. This is how crazy how powerful the mind is. It is, it is. Because I will create these stories in my head. My mom, yeah, even though she make comments. I'm
1: like, bro, no. somebody pick up that phone. No, I'm still on my phone.
0: <laughs>
1: Fine, for <it poor> the thing. <laughs>
0: Even though my mom younger, she will make comments about the remarriage or the She always still was my biggest cheerleader, right? So she always like, you gotta keep pushing, you gotta keep pushing. And obviously now she is like me. I can't even keep up with you. I'm just like beyond, you know, so proud. But I think that again, being the first gen, there's no book. I didn't, know. You are you're writing the book. You are writing the book, David. I'm paving the way. So I'm just like, going to these spaces and institutions and classrooms and. My mindset—it's yep. literally anxiety, depression—at a young age just started kind of slowly but building without me realizing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not okay, right? Like I had trauma mm-hmm. and all of those things, and you know you need to heal and all. Of, and obviously, I talk about that a lot. Not mm-hmm. Like healing, healing your inner child, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm in therapy for that, healing your, healing your inner child. Yeah. But it's just again all those things when you kind of view that trajectory in your life Mm -hmm. and kind of build what were the things that really set me up for where I am today. Yeah. And I think, like I said, going back to being able to start my business, my platform on LinkedIn, building a personal brand that I was like, I have nothing to lose. Like I can literally just speak my truth. Yeah. Like what do I have to lose?
1: But for someone that spent so many years silencing their voice or dimming their light, whatever you want to call it, how do you get from that to feeling comfortable to speak on like social media and stuff like that like how do you get to that yeah you you said you worked in between a little bit and then you launched your brand
0: working like in regards to like myself
1: no so Mm -hmm. you said well that too but like you said you you had you you were you were studying you did your masters And then you kind of jumped to like starting this brand. But in between that, you also held some jobs and like nonprofit and all those kind of things too, right? Yes, yes.
0: Honestly, I get asked that question a lot because the truth is we forget the things that we have done, right? Yeah,
1: go for it. Uh -uh.
0: We forget the things that we have done in the past that we have taken the conversations that we had. So I think it was the the breakdown that you want to call it. Sure. Was when I graduated with my master's degree. Mm -hmm. And for those who don't know, in social work, there's Mm -hmm. many different paths. You can go clinical, you can go macro, you can go work in the community, you could be licensed, not licensed. It really depends what you want to do. At that time, when I was graduating with my master's degree, mind you, five years ago, my.
1: That's no, fine. it's fine.
0: My vision at that time was to become a hospital social worker, literally for MYP. Like I was like MYP Presbyterian Hospital, like that's gonna be me. Like that why, was like. Why?
1: Why was that for you? Like the thing.
0: I think because being you know being first gen, growing up in low income, being raised by a single mother, I always knew that I wanted to help others and give back, which is mm-hmm. why I studied psychology and got into social work because mm-hmm. I started working in the field even before i got my master so Mm -hmm. i worked in foster care for four years i worked in the shelter system you know i worked with at-risk youth homeless youth a lot of of like a lot of social workers
1: go yeah my aunt did like a very similar
0: yeah like literally 10 years in social services so by the time i got my masters i'm just like okay what now but i think because i wanted to become a hospital social worker Mm -hmm. back then obviously things have changed you needed your license
1: Right, Right? sure.
0: And let me tell you, I struggled with my life with this exam, and I constantly talk about it. So it literally took me five times to pass this exam. I'm a licensed social worker now, finally. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that time, when it, when it came to 2018, my breakdown was not being able to pass this exam. Mm-hmm. Think about it, being in school since kindergarten. Yeah. And I went straight, I mean, I did take a year from bachelor's to master's, sure. but I went straight to school. And here's this thing hanging over my head, like, uh-huh. "Halemi, you're almost there. You need a license and then you're gonna be successful. That was my mindset, mm-hmm. right? So I was allowing my career to dictate my work. Mm-hmm. So I think that in 2018, that summer, after I graduated, I hit rock bottom.
1: Cause you didn't pass.
0: I didn't pass. I was like, what now? Because again, I have this experience. So I'm like, I don't want to go back to social services because I know that I can do so much more. I have a right. master's degree. Right. So it was like that summer realization, like, okay, what am I going to do? But I'm not a quitter. So I'm like, I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. Mm -hmm. And I think that also the realization was at that time, I was able to secure a supervisory role Mm -hmm. in social services. Right. Without being ever being a supervisor. Right. Mm -hmm. Because of my transferable skills. (laughs) But I think once 2019 hit and I was going, trying to pass, trying to pass, trying to pass. It just wasn't clicky. And again, I was relying on this exam to dictate my work. Mm. And it wasn't until fall 2019, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I'm gonna keep trying to, to let this exam dictate my career, my life. Like, I need to make moves. Like, there's no way that I study so hard Got myself into these student loans to then yeah. just be stuck here. Right, right. So it was a lot of self-talk, even though deep down I was still struggling with those, you know, inner battles. It was those constant up and downs. And as you know, it's not easy to overcome those things. But like I said, I'm not a quitter. I'm like gonna make sure. Not saying that, you know, for people who are listening that you're I'm not trying to say that you're a quitter if you're you don't have the motivation to, to keep going. Yeah. I'm saying that everyone's support system also looks different. Luckily, I have my now husband, mm-hmm. who at that time was like, I know you could do more, right? Because one thing I forgot to mention, throughout my early on in my career, I was always a natural career cheerleader. Even though I had those moments where I did silence myself, people would still come to me on the side, like, hey, Harlene, can you help me with my resume? Can you help me with this? And I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And mind you, I did this for free.
1: So you were always seen as like the go-to person to help with their career trajectory
0: exactly which is how this is that's how I was able to use my transferable skills to land that leadership role
1: but it's interesting right because like here you are being so critical on yourself and your career yet people are putting you on a pedestal and saying your career is what you have accomplished so far is amazing help me get to where you are yet you're you're also looking up trying to be like no I'm trying to get further
0: yeah and I always say, like, as you know, the, the biggest battle you will ever face is yourself. Mm. Right? So, regardless if people constantly refer me as a shining light. And many times I didn't feel like a shining light, right? Yeah, because yeah. of my own self-esteem and again, depression, anxiety. Yeah. And it's more going back to, you know, like you mentioned earlier, that sense of authenticity,
1: Yeah, yeah right? Yeah.
0: And I think it's about how do we get to a space from not loving where we are in our current journey to accepting all of our trumps and challenges, yeah. right? Like that's the constant battle that many of us face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that, like I said, that fall of 2019, I was like, I have to do more. And it wasn't even like, I'm gonna start a business. I'm gonna make it. Like, it wasn't from that intention. It was like, I just I just want to share my truth. And that's what I meant about just sharing content on LinkedIn and Instagram yeah. about I'm a first gen, I just graduated, I'm a social worker. You know, I'm not the only one struggling with this license. Yeah. So the moment I started to speak my truth and just be me, yeah. people started to gravitate towards me because of my story.
1: When you say gravitate, like that's like, Actual messages like people messaging you and being like, oh shit, yeah, I'm also struggling with this. Yes. It's, it's interesting too because before that, did you think like, it's me, I'm not smart enough, I'm not this enough, I'm not whatever enough, like I must be the only one failing this exam
0: absolutely i felt like there's something wrong with me right. i'm like right. you know i have my words i feel stupid right. like i can't even grasp this four-hour test By right. the right right but then
1: when you start posting things that's the powerful thing about just like talking about situations is that you realize for the first time that you're not alone yes yeah
0: and i think that was the moment of awakeness no you're good i think that was a moment that i realized like wow like i'm worthy Mm. Right, like I mean something. I have purpose. Mm. Right, again, not saying we need other people's validation to feel that gratitude. People were constantly saying, like, "Oh my God, you're so inspiring." You know, you're pushing me to continue studying for my exam. I know I'm not alone, so it's kind of giving people that Mm. sense of hope. Like. You can still keep going. Right. Right, And I think that, you know, the moment that I started to step into this role. Right. As a natural career cheerleader. Then once right before the pandemic hit, like my DMs were literally blowing up to the point that I was like, I have to create an LLC (laughs) because I don't (laughs) want the IRS coming for me. So it really started from a place of just building community. And mind you, another thing I forgot to mention is that even before that, I was helping, like I mentioned, I was helping people with resumes on the side. Yeah, and yeah. I wasn't charging until, again, my now husband, he was like, You gotta charge. And I'm like, Charge? What are you talking about? I'm not gonna charge. <laughs> it was like, You gotta charge. That's your time. And I'm like, mm, I guess, right? Yeah. But you know, that comes from like money trauma and well, all these things. Well,
1: also, the, the work that you come from in social work, it's not like I'm gonna go into social work to, to make billions of dollars. Like, you're literally helping people. There's something my aunt struggles with as well. Like I tell her in her private practice, she charges pennies. But it's this idea of like, no, no, like these people need me. They need me in order to like be well. And it, it there's just this idea of like social service and like not charging a lot of money. I don't know how to explain, it, but does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And I blame the profession. Mm. And that's what I'm trying. Like, it makes sense. Like, like this whole time you've been trained people. to
1: look at to look at business a certain way through like the profession that you were about to go into for a long literally, time. Literally, literally. Yeah.
0: And I would say like it came right at the moment, like I said, at the pandemic, right? Yeah. That as my business started to slowly flourish, right? Yeah. At that time, I was still a supervisor for a nonprofit organization. Yeah. And it gave me the realization that... I was more invested in my staff's professional development than I was in the families that we were serving. And it sucks to say that, but I had that realization that this is not where I need to be.
1: Interesting.
0: Yes. And remember how you said I've been a natural career cheerleader all my life without really realizing it?
1: Yeah. It, but is w- was there like was there, like, shame in that?
0: Yes, a lot of shame. Because I'm like, I just spent a lot of money in my master's degree... Yeah. To And I'm not even being a social worker, right? So there was a lot of, like, internal conflict. But I think that as, as I was building my brand, I was, like, really trying to create a movement. Because if I was realizing that, that I have these skills, yeah. even though I have a degree, I was like, I know that I can do more. I don't have to stay in the social work bubble. Right. I started having that realization. I'm like, I'm not the only one. So when I started creating this movement, I was able to help social workers pivot as well and secure six-figure jobs and leave the traditional social work profession
1: that's what's interesting too like you you i don't know maybe i'm making up the story in my head right but like you're like oh my god am i not helping people anymore yes
0: yes yes literally
1: because that's what you've wanted to do your whole life right you want to give back you want to help people and you've been trained to believe that the only way to help people is like this. And the only types of people that I can help are the ones that are like in need. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's in need for a certain service. Everyone is in need for something. And now you're still helping people. It's just a different audience.
0: Oh, my God. So powerful. Yes. Yeah, literally right? in my head because.
1: But like you were maybe you were comparing yourself yep. to you were like.
0: I still do sometimes, you know.
1: Yeah. To, to, <laughs> to people maybe that, 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 that are licensed, that have the life that you thought you wanted years ago. You probably were like, it's tough, yo.
0: It's crazy. and it's I like, still do it today. And it's just like... To so like old coworkers, TikTok yeah. and... Met,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just looking at somebody's story and I was like, oh, that could have been me. But at yeah. the same time, I don't want that to be me.
0: Exactly. It's weird. Exactly. No, it's like we are evolving, right? As we should, right? We're, yeah. we're, it's human nature. We evolve. But yeah. I think that in being able to have that realization, I was able to then pivot from you know, leaving social services and pivoting into nonprofit recruiting where I was a recruiter for school social workers in New York, right? I was recruiting school social workers and they were still giving back to the community. So in a way, I was still fulfilling this purpose of helping the community, right? right? right, And then I was still able to also use those skills and still pivot into, you know, mental health tech and still recruit providers who are serving the community, right? right? So I think it's about realizing that when I see that end result, whether it's my clients, whether it's a candidate, and I'm like, ooh, I feel them. Like, I feel their emotion, I feel the success. Like, that's my win at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. If I can help someone overcome imposter syndrome, if I can help a candidate ease their mind in an interview or even help them secure that offer, I am still fulfilling my purpose, right? And still, at the end of the day, creating this movement I always say enough is enough. There's no more, I'm a social worker, I don't get paid, or the stigma of we take kids away. Like, I went to the doctor, like, mm-hmm. over the summer. They were like, what do you do? I still brand myself as a social worker because, again, I'm still a social worker at heart. I'm That's... utilizing social work skills in these conversations and relationships I'm building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I'm a social worker. And they're like, that must be tough. You, you you don't make a lot of money, right? And mm-hmm. I looked at him. And he was a white mm-hmm. man. I was just there like, I'm leaving. I left
1: Why do you bring yourself As a social worker till this day Because why you, why, I think you,
0: it's because Like
1: You know you You know you like he, You're tech <laughs>
0: <laughs> No but I think that I was also Many hats about me I'm a co-author For a book called Latinx and Social Work Volume 2 I
1: have a copy I was <laughs> I do have a copy
0: you know, um, I've been awarded as an emerging social work trailblazer. Oh, you just gonna, I,
1: you just going flex on us? That's what, that's what she do. You
0: know, again, I gotta you gotta give your like everybody, you gotta give your some pat on the back because even though I'm having the little hype session, I don't hype myself up enough. Like uh, many of us don't, but I still brand myself as a social worker because again, like I'm still involved, right? I'm still mm-hmm. helping create the future. I'm helping support the next generation of leaders in social work in public Mm -hmm, service. mm -hmm. So I'm a social work trailblazer. That's what I call myself. And Because even though, yes, I may work in tech right now, but Mm -hmm. I know that I'm not going to work there forever, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to brand my identity to a corporate space. I want to brand my identity as who I am, right? Even though social work is a career, like I mentioned before, Mm -hmm. I'm utilizing the skills that social work school taught, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Being empathetic, building Mm -hmm. relationships, building community, you know, implementing policies and just restructuring and, like, disrupting the norm. That's what I'm doing. And that's a social worker.
1: Well, I love it. And it's interesting, too, because I think since you've pivoted, you've also entered spaces that you didn't necessarily plan to work in early on right and from how you were described as a kid to silencing your voice to now being in you know certain spaces that you didn't plan on being in can you breathe in those spaces yes do you feel like you can be yourself and i'm not saying right now right but like as you pivoted yeah do you think you could you think you could be yourself
0: Yes and no.
1: Okay.
0: I think I had moments. I had moments where I felt safe enough and I had the support to be myself. Mm-hmm. But even in social service, there were moments where I'm like, I cannot speak up. Mm-hmm. My mind told me that I can't speak up. Tell
1: right? me about it. Why not?
0: And I think it was more going back to not feeling good enough and not feeling smart enough to be able to come up with a solution. Right. Because, again, even though, yes, they were so diverse,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know population and just the team overall Mm -hmm. i still didn't feel that i can be in a safe space to be myself because i constantly felt i was going to be judged
1: Mm -hmm. right
0: and it could have been as simple as we're having a team meeting and we're going over cases Mm -hmm. but i don't want to speak because again i at that moment i felt like i'm not good enough to speak Mm -hmm. right because i was constantly selling my voice so i think that throughout those spaces and even now honestly working like you know, going to tech and all of those things, you know, there's a lot of stigma on tech, but I think that even from the very beginning, even before I started working for, you know, where I work now, I made a promise to myself that I'm no longer going to allow myself, anyone to silence me. And then if I was to embark in the next chapter of my career and work for whoever, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be silenced. So, Luckily and thankfully, I'm in a space now where I could be my authentic self. But if for any reason I wasn't, then that wouldn't be the environment for me yeah. because I made that promise to myself. And again, I'm a career coach, yeah. right? Also not saying we always practice what we preach because I have my moments. But I think that, you know, I am my own brand. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure like I stick to my own core yeah. values.
1: Yeah. But what, what was that moment for you when you made that promise? Like, why did you make that promise?
0: I think that, you know, between the pandemic, mm. right? I unfortunately lost family members during the pandemic. Sorry. And then I think that, you know, just having that wake-up call, like I mentioned, about like enough is enough, about like life. I think it was a combination of realizing that life is short, realizing that I no longer could be a harm to myself with my thoughts, right? Because, you know, it's, it's, it was making me sick, literally physically sick, What right? happened? Like, like very symptomatic. I was always starting to become very symptomatic, whether I had a headache, whether, you know, my stomach was hurting, right? Yeah. So, you know, that trauma yeah. passes in many different ways, let right? Me, let
1: me tell you, I know when I'm really anxious, when I don't poop that day. <laughs> like, this week, there was one day I skipped a day. But the next day, I made up for it, TMI. But there be days, no lie, where I've missed, like, two, three days. But that's it starts here and it literally trickles down to my whole body.
0: Oh, my God. A hundred percent. And one thing I forgot to mention <laughs> is that everyone drink your water. Make sure, you know, everyone's eating healthy. But
1: but it's real. <laughs> it's real.
0: But I think that when I started entrepreneurship, even though it was still and current my side hustle. Yeah. As you know, when you work for yourself, the biggest insecurities you will ever face come up, right? Because no one's telling you, hey, great job. You're doing this, right? So that was one important piece that I forgot to mention. That again, being a social worker, you would think be in therapy. No, I had to start my business to then realize, hey, I'm not okay, I need therapy. And let me give you an example. As you know, the hustle and grind mentality is real. So once I started my business, I wanted to be involved in everything. That it will become moments where I don't know where i will start crying i'll be like just start crying with anxiety I mean, I i'll just start crying because you know my nervous system was like shutting down i just i just couldn't process in general yeah. to the point that i'm like okay i need to i need to speak to someone now right and obviously now almost three years later i'm still in therapy and healing and i think that you know i constantly say that don't ignore yourself Mm -hmm. Don't ignore your mental health, regardless of what you have, because it's going to come up in different ways that you never thought possible. Who would have thought that I would be randomly crying?
1: Yeah. (laughs) And why? Why are you you so anxious about?
0: In general, I think it's just, again, like I said, I starting a business, I wanted to be in everything, like in everything from being a board member to volunteering, to getting clients, Mm -hmm. to doing free speaking. I was just like, yeah, I want to do, I want to do, I want to do it. And so I kind of like burned myself out and crashed. And I think that caused that sense of overwhelm. Mind you, this is all with a full time job on top of that.
1: (laughs) I feel you. I think that's so interesting. This idea of working for yourself and needing some sort of like validation. Like if you're working a job on some level, someone at some point is going to be like, Oh, good job. That was a good email. Oh, good meeting. Whatever it is, when you're working for yourself, you yeah. gotta tell yourself that. Unless you know people DM you and stuff like that, which is possible too, right? But yeah. yeah, I don't know. That's just really interesting. I'm just thinking about that.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, everyone has their own routine. Like, I know not everyone likes meditation. I know not everyone likes journaling. I
1: like journal. I can't. I don't like meditation. Like, I like journaling. Journal. journal
0: no. Hey, like you know, write a letter to yourself. You can do you that? Know. Yeah, as part of the inner childhood work. Okay. Yeah. For those who are in therapy and know about inner childhood work, those are some of the exercises. Like, writing a letter to your younger self, you know, forgiving them for, you know, like, letting them know that they're loved and that they're supported. Like, I constantly talk to myself every day. Little me, right? Mm -hmm. Again, for those who don't understand this word, they're going to be like, what is she talking about? But literally Google inner childhood work, and a whole bunch of things are going to come up. It's really powerful. Again, I know not everyone believes in that and that's okay i'm very i'm a very spiritual person and i always talk about manifestation and signs and (laughs) all of those things but i think that i mean looking at right now (laughs) it's like go 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 right but i have to make sure that i put myself first Mm -hmm. in order for me to be able to do the work that i love and support the community that i love because without that there's nothing
1: see that's interesting too at an early age you probably weren't able to put yourself first i never yeah that my i remember one time my mom always brings this up me and her were like in a car one day and she didn't even ask me i just told her straight up i was like for some reason i was like mom you know where you rank in my life and i put her like number five but i put myself first i forget the order exactly but like she wasn't it was like at the time i was really religious as well so i was like me god abuela yeah yeah. then mom or some (laughs) shit like that right But even at an early age, I've always been, like, really, really selfish. So it's easy to put myself first even these days. Yeah. But I could see for you, especially with, like, taking on that adult role really early within the family, how you had to put others first and you were forced to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And when you think about it, how everything embarks. And as you know, in the book that I mentioned, I, I speak a little bit about that, how I... Had to you know learn how to love myself for me and not rely on other people's validation to make Gross. me happy right and Gross. i learned that the hard way right because when i didn't get a you know certain birthday appreciation or this or that then i that will eat me alive and i'm mm-hmm. like why you know what i mean and, and again yeah. thinking about all these little things and everything that i'm mentioning this was before therapy
1: even that certification like you said the license rather that's I a form of, that music, exactly. form of validation.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Form of validation. Exactly.
1: That's fascinating that as a social worker, and it's funny because I know other social workers, and they also weren't in therapy for a long time as well. Like, why do you think that is? Even with you seeing, like, you're convincing other. I don't know. I, I will
0: tell you this story. So, again, I knew, like, obviously, I, was, I didn't go to therapy, but because we have, the degree and we have that background yeah, yeah, yeah. when we start searching we're like mm-hmm, no oh no. that's what Bitter, it is that's what it was until someone told me very close to me was like I got the perfect therapist for you and she's an Afro-Latina and that was another thing trying to find someone you can relay on, on a cultural level as mm. well because you know you go to psychology today and you're like how are they going to help me you know give. if you will give the, I mean again no, no shame to the college today and obviously many clinicians out there who are doing their yeah. thing but as you know especially as a Latina you have to make sure that you're able to feel comfortable going back to the safe space
1: mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> going back to the safe space and i think with her it was beautiful we got on a call even though it was like she was just like hi you know like it was just kind of breaking the ice and creating that safe space for me then like let's get on a call
1: yeah. tell me about
0: your life it's like yeah. whoa like no i'm i don't know you <laughs> that's
1: interesting i always thought it was from the lens of I have the knowledge. I could fix myself. I thought it was coming from that lens. I didn't know it was like, I guess it's the equivalent of like, if you're if you're a chef, you go to another restaurant, you're like, look how they made this food.
0: Yes. Probably. Yes, literally. Cause you'll start looking at the credentials and you know, oh wait, they just got this, they got yeah. this. You start, you start judging.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so interesting. What is, what is some of the work that you did in therapy that helped you start to love yourself?
0: Honestly, inner childhood work, through a lot of exercise with my therapist, I had to go way back. Like we're talking, like visualize. Again, everything I'm going to mention that everyone is going to be able to relate. Many people may not be able to believe in these techniques. You have to do what's going to make you feel good. Mm -hmm. But in general, what I'm mentioning, the inner childhood work is being able to, for you to visualize little you. So... Obviously, the only so much you can remember, like, mm-hmm. five-year-old Harleny, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how was she, right? Whether it's you looking through pictures and thinking about, oh, I remember this birthday. I was crying, right? Why was I crying, right? So it's yeah. kind of literally breaking down those parts and being able to meditate and, like, talk to five-year-old you. Whichever milestone that, that mm-hmm. they need to hear, right? For me, it was definitely, like, five- to six-year-old me. And then, of course, my teenage years, right? And, you know, all of those things. But, like, I always remember... Me being six years old, and, and this will always stuck to me. I had a bike, <laughs> and it got stolen.
1: Oh! And
0: I always remember. I was like, "Oh my God, it got stolen! It, my pink little bike, right?" And again, little moments like that, somebody stole it on the block. Sure, sure. I'm like, little moments like that. It's like, out of all the memories, that's what I remember. Right? That something somebody took something from me. Mm-hmm. Right? Or even thinking those moments where, in a picture, I'm crying. Someone probably told me, "Stop crying," mm. right? So is I, I bet when everyone hears this, they're probably gonna go back to their childhood photos like
1: That's what I was gonna say. Let, let me
0: think about this moment, yeah. right? And if something comes up, again, I know that again there's a lot of stigma around therapy, but the biggest thing is self awareness and yeah. reflection.
1: Yeah. And
0: validating yourself. Like that's literally the three main pillars. Yeah. Understanding, you know, why you did something or why you said something, where it stands from. Yeah. Right. But never attaching that blame to yourself. Right? Of course, we're not perfect, but if there's flaws, how can we recognize those areas of improvement and yeah. why? Yeah. So feel little little tips.
1: Yeah, I that's I've never done that exercise of looking at old pictures of myself. But therapy has forced me to ask my mom some interesting questions.
0: Oh, I have. Definitely. Yeah.
1: Well, now I'm curious. But like one of the questions I asked my mom, because I feel like Going back to, like, titles, degrees, certifications, whatever, we we also want to, like, besides us, we also want to make our family proud. Yet, we've already done more than they've even dreamed of, right? My mom was like,
0: oh, right, already, that's, yeah. that's it. I always joke. I'm like, I'm going to go back for my doctorate. They were like, it's, you're fine. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not. But they are like, that's it. <laughs> like, you yeah. already we did it. I
1: asked my mom. I was like, mom, what was your wildest dream for me? Like, when I was born, like, what did you want for me to do? Or what did you think I was going to do? Whatever. She was like, I just wanted you to get a degree that's it you know all (laughs) the shit i did on top of that you know what i mean it's crazy but like you'll find out a lot just asking like family loved ones just like simple questions or or like how was i as a child and like finding out how like independent and like curious curious how not into groups i was and all of those sort of little things it'll it'll start making a lot more sense into like who you are now yeah like what's something you ask your family now or that you said, you said you asked your family back in the day when you started therapy that helped you kind of figure when out a little bit about yourself. I first my
0: mom that I was in therapy, she's like, oh, my God, Miha, what did I do?
1: Oh. She thought it
0: was her. She was blaming herself. I was like, no, you, you did the best you could, mm. right? I was like, there was." I was just like, it's just in general, right? Everyone needs therapy. That's what I was yeah. saying. And she's like, okay. But even though deep down, she was like, I messed <laughs> up, right? Again, being a sick mom of two. I just think I asked her was just like, Again, I think I had to ask those questions because of therapy. And that's how I found out, like, when people uh, always crying and people saying, like, Bahala I mean, my mom to this day still says Bahala But it's my mother, so I, I don't let it get to me. Versus other people, like, be quiet. Yeah, yeah don't, you know, mothers are always going to say, get under your skin one way or the other with, like, peinate or whatever.
1: <laughs> so Dominican mom thinks, yeah.
0: Literally, she'll be like, hazte or whatever yeah. or something like that. But... I had to just really get an understanding of, like, you know, I was like crying and all those things. And, you know, this also goes way back if you want to get a little bit deeper. So I'm a preemie baby. Mm. So I was born premature. I was born seven months. Mm. And, you know, as you know, newborns need a lot of attention, sure, right? Sure. Especially preemie babies and yeah. affection. So thinking that I was a, not saying whoever's listening and you're a preemie baby, please don't be like, Harlani, that's not me. I'm talking about my journey and my story.
1: You were so worried to get canceled. Huh? You're so is, worried.
0: Yo, yo, yo! This is 20. It must be 2024. You never know.
1: I get it. I get it. You're like I worked too hard to get here. Y'all ain't taking me out because nobody,
0: ain't nobody coming. Preemie comment. <laughs> yeah.
1: oh my God, is pre-me the right thing to say? Can we say that?
0: Uh. Pre-me? I don't
1: know. <laughs> I'm
0: not going there. I'm not going there okay. either. Okay. But <laughs> I mean, it's true. You gotta be careful, not it. I don't know. But still, be authentic, self. So. Sure, sure. But you know, again, the development. Of a baby is very important, and given that I was a premature baby and not having my mother during those three months mm. that I was in the hospital, it also stems from that. It's a lot of things again, things that talking in therapy, not necessarily saying, Oh, I'm oh, I'm like this because I was a premature baby. I'm not saying that, I'm just yeah, saying yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things that stem of my persona, yeah, you know, yeah, my, yeah. right? Because again, people probably see me like, Harlene, li yeah, that's it, like, how much more are you gonna do? Like, you know, family system, I should have been. With three kids by now, type thing.
1: You, you, to, you get that pressure?
0: They're like, yeah, cuando, cuando, yeah, that's it. You know, I'm like, okay, like I'm 31, and you know, I'll be 32 next year. I'm like, my presión.
1: Well, you know, holiday season is like, <laughs> well, it used to be y el novio pa' cuando? but now it's like y el bebé pa' cuando, right?
0: Literally, now that you know, as I got married, they're like, okay, that's it. Yeah. Even before that, even before sure. that, like about time.
1: What about? Like, you're obviously so comfortable in who you are these days, right? When's a time when you think your authenticity was met with resistance? Besides in childhood, when people told you you were allowed?
0: I mean, I think it goes back to, to the spaces that I was a part of, whether it was a nonprofit.
1: You no, know, give me an instance, like, when you think, and don't mention who it is, but, like, in generalities, like, when do you think it was met with resistance or maybe misunderstood?
0: Perfect example. So, as I was still early on in my career, mind you, I think there's only a couple of years. Like I mentioned, I'm a natural extrovert. <laughs> I'm naturally happy. This is just my personality. I'm, yeah, just a, yeah. I'm a happy, I'm a happy person. <laughs> so, I remember going to interview, and oh. someone literally said, "You're too happy." Did you say you're too happy? So, how do you think that you know people are going to perceive that? that they asked you
1: that?
0: Mind you, this was a higher institution, very Ivy League. Uh, school and they literally asked me that they were like and I'm like well you know I'm um, that was a resistance because I remember kind of like choking up trying to answer that question like how do you defend who you are right right for the comfort of other people
1: mm.
0: so I remember after that I think the interview kind of tanked and obviously I didn't get the mm. job but mm. I'm glad right you would think a high I wish I could say I'm not say the name but mm. it's, it's Ivany it's League yeah. school in mm. New York and that was the that was the an interview and it was like a, an assistant director position and that was literally what they said because I'm just like you know hello everyone you know yeah. good morning like that's literally like my personality and then they're just like Cause in this role you were required to you know have massive team meetings to right. faculty and all these things and students right. and one of the first questions and they were just like is I know you're coming across as seeing as a very happy person how do you how do you see that as a conflict like how would that be a conflict Basically saying, how will others perceive that? Kind of making it a problem.
1: Right, right. And Assuming would, that like people are going to take advantage of you or something. I don't know.
0: Exactly. And I said, well, you know, I'm someone that I'm able to set boundaries. I'm right, able right. to, you know, still be myself and making sure that the job is still going to get done at the end of the day.
1: You know what I'm fascinated by? This is crazy. I'm fascinated that, and this isn't the first time you've received resistance, but it, it seems like your mindset is just like, well, if they don't like me, fuck it. Like that's a blessing now, for me.
0: Now, 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 and I th- again, I think it's, and I'm not saying that after that that interview, I didn't be like, oh my god, I suck. I'm like, what's wrong with me? Like it doesn't say. Did that you that try I to
1: be like less happy during interviews?
0: I shut down.
1: But like during interviews, you just like.
0: No, I think I think <laughs> I think I was more self-aware, but I I was like I think I think what well, am trying to think of that timeline? It was that interview. Where I didn't get it. I was still employed, and I think after that, I actually paused the job interview process. Wow. Because I think it really took a toll on me, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, my God, I can't be myself. Like, that's hard. Wow. And you were thinking, again, this, I even need school giving, you know, diversity, equity, and sure. food, and all these things, and me being a Latina. They will be freaking lucky to have me, right? I mean, again, I say that now, but it's more yeah. along the lines of, like, you know, kind of took a toll at that yeah. moment. Yeah. And a
1: lot of people, they would take that feedback and, like, it's funny because this, this has nothing to do with the tone, the inflection of your voice at all. These are, like, non-verbal things that are just about you, right? Smiling, happy, whatever. Like, most people show up to the next interview and they're just like, all right, I guess I won't smile. Yeah. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. But then it seems like these, again, to yeah. your to your credit, like, you've developed this... Part of you that's just like, well, if I don't get that, then like it's a blessing because, like, I want to be somewhere that accepts. You. I
0: think, like, many of us, I had to learn how to not make rejection a problem, mm. giving all the constant in my life of, yeah. <laughs> right and then the constant internal struggle of, like, I'm not good enough. And, like I said, I think it was because of that breakdown that I had yeah. with my licensure. I'm not saying that it was a snippet of I, it was just more of like, I sunk low when it came to like my own mental health that I realized like I know that I have to keep going because I, I'm still that role model right yeah. so, I, so I think I also have to keep pushing because at the end of the day like my mom didn't sacrifice you know so much for me to just mm-hmm. not do nothing like that was my mentality right so I think having all those external factors going back to the support system yeah. is very important and I know that everyone has that but if you don't find your tribe right find your tribe of Find your tribe of people that are gonna be able to Find your tribe of people that are gonna be able to support you. Yeah. You know, when you when you think alone, right? And give yeah. yourself that ability to just feel. Because yeah. feeling is hard.
1: Yeah. I mean, despite all that, again, you're in a beautiful place right now. Thank you. What's the one thing that continues to inspire you to be your most authentic self?
0: the future. I'm really committed to supporting the next generation. And again, not me relying on the validation of others to make me feel good, but that's what I got to help me keep moving forward, right? And my health and my family and recognizing the people that love me and that wanna be there for me. Going back to the support system, I think that's gonna continue to push for me to just be myself because there's always gonna be someone trying to dim your light telling you that you're not good enough, but there's only gonna be two paths. You're either gonna let that impact you, which I know words hurt, I'm not taking that away, or you're going to go to an environment that's going to support you
1: yeah.
0: and just try to do the best you can.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to know that the latter environment is there. We just don't think it's there and sometimes we don't even try to find it we think the other one the first one is the only path that we can that we can do.
0: We all have options to so the best options.
1: of our ability. Yeah. Mi yeah. that wraps up another episode of the G'entraway's podcast. If you enjoy what you heard, please do us a favor. Wherever you're listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, Adonde Sea, do me a favor. Leave a rating and a review. Your engagement is just going to help us in the algorithms to ensure that these experiences Get heard by as many people as possible because that's the only way that we're going to redefine professionalism. Thank you and see you next time.